You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises, How to Foil Their Plans to Spoil Your Case. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com. This is Keith Mitnick again, and today I want to talk to you about the words that are probably ringing in your ears. You've heard them so many times in those cases where the photographs of the back of your client's case aren't very impressive. And you can hear that defense lawyer over and over with a mantra, a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, I'm about to change that picture for that defense lawyer for the rest of his life and yours. I want to talk to you about something that will have significant practical application that can be used over and over for those of you out there that do car crash cases. And we've all seen it. It's the case where the defense loves to take the photograph of the bumper and show there's just a scratch on it. And you know the point. How can you have gotten hurt from something that just left a scratch in such a low impact? Therefore, your claim's bogus, frivolous exaggerated, what other other nasty word the defense can come up with. And we know that that can be a powerful tool. Why? Because the old adage, picture's worth a thousand words. Well, I want to give you a strategy that will destroy that defense. It starts with this. You have to use the right language. Get out of your vocabulary, please, the word low impact. That's a bad word. That's the defense word. Low impacts don't hurt people, certainly not bad. What do you use instead? Because words matter. I got a whole section in my book about words matter. And I know other excellent lawyers talked about words matter. We all talk about them because they matter. This is one of those situations. Just like you don't hear me say accident. Why? Accidents happen. I say crash. Why? Because crashes make you cringe. But let me come back to this. How do you deal with the quote that we're never going to say again, low impact? First, there are three steps to this process. Got to do the right words. You got to deal with Vordire, the people that are most inclined to buy into the defense nonsense on this. And then lastly, we're going to use an analogy that's going to bring it all home. What's the right word? The right word is not a lot of visible property damage. I'll say it again. Not a lot of visible property damage. Why that word? Because... A lot of people have had an experience or know someone that's had an experience where their car was in a wreck, they put it in the shop, it came out and looked perfect, but it never ran the same again. That phrase has the underlying implication of there may be more there than meets the eye. Not a lot of visible property damage. Plus, it is accurate without the implication of low impact, no injury. So, substitute low impact and take it out and put in not a lot of visible property damage. Step one, we've now accomplished. Step two, jury selection. You have to ask your jurors about it. And it's a simple question now that you have the right word. How many of you feel if there's not a lot of visible property damage, the person can't have gotten hurt very badly? Certainly not permanently. I'll say it again. How many of you feel that if there was not a lot of visible property damage, the person couldn't have been hurt very badly, certainly not permanently, no matter what the rest of the evidence shows or the doctors say? No matter what the rest of the evidence shows or the doctors say. Now, I'm going to pause for a minute. Depending on the law in your jurisdiction, that may be a challenge for cause ground. In Florida, it is. In Tennessee, it would be. 
In Kentucky, it would be. But I go to venues where it may not be, like Iowa, and you're at the discretion of the court. And I will, in a different segment, talk to you about what can get even in the worst of law jurisdictions for cause challenges where the discretion is just totally free free reigned, how your chances of convincing the judge to take them off is much higher because you're going to be able to get them to say things like, I couldn't assure the court I could be completely fair and impartial. But we'll save that for another segment. The point here is, if you ask that question, depending on the law, you either have a guaranteed, assuming the judge follows the law, challenge for cause on all the people that raise their hand to that, or at the very least, you have identified them and given you a fighting chance with your trial judge, and you know who they are for your peremptory challenges, because you know they're probably not very open to the next step that's coming. So, pick the right words, not a lot of visible property damage. Go through jury selection. How many of you feel if there's not a lot of visible property damage, the person can't have been hurt very badly, certainly not permanently, no matter what the rest of the evidence shows or the doctors have to say about that. You've called, you've got the words, you've called the bad jurors out as best you can. Now we're at closing argument. And I usually save it for rebuttal because I don't want to give the other time side time to figure out what to do with it. And they're going to talk about those pictures in closing argument. You don't have to worry about being foreclosed from it. My God, they're going to talk about very little other than those pictures. So you can rest assured you're going to get a chance to use this analogy in rebuttal. And here's how it goes. There's a little bit of a story that leads up to the analogy. And it goes like this. It's easier to do if I could show you, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk you through the visualization. Folks, I don't know why it is that little kids love to sneak up on each other in playgrounds and shove them in the back with no warning, but they do. It's like the funnest game on playgrounds with little boys and little girls, too, for that matter. But really, them little boys love it. I'm sure there are kids on playgrounds all across America sneaking up on one another, shoving them and running off giggling. And their buddy jumps up off the, the, the clay ground or grass or whatever it is and chases them through the playground and they're all giggling. But you know what? Grownups don't sneak up on one another and shove them in the back unexpectedly. Why? Because someone's going to get hurt. Because grown-ups don't have those supple little necks that flex in every direction and pop right back without a problem. You do that unexpectedly, grown-up, and someone's going to get hurt. It's like they say that this crash occurred at 8 miles an hour. Now, I don't know what 8 miles an hour is, but I guarantee you walking, I'd be getting it across this courtroom if I were to try and run 8 miles an hour. And I am not going to run across this courtroom at 8 miles an hour like a fool. But I do want to make a point for you. And pause. You will take a chair and turn it sideways in front of the jury so that if someone were sitting in it, their left shoulder or right shoulder would be facing the jury and they would be facing straight ahead and their their back of their head would be facing across the room the other way. So they're sideways so the jury would be looking at their ear. That's the way you place the chair. Then you go to the other side of the room, and I'm going to pick back up with the story. Then you walk across the courtroom as you're talking with. I don't know how fast it would be, but I bet you I'd be getting it across this courtroom. I'm not going to run across the courtroom at eight miles an hour like a fool, but you get the point. And if I came across this courtroom at eight miles an hour and someone was sitting there and had no idea I was coming, and I came up behind, and now you hit the back of the chair with the flat of your palm. Not real light, but not so hard you're over theatric. But you want to make the point. And if I came up and suddenly, unexpectedly hit the back of that chair at eight miles an hour and their heads snapped back and they turned around and looked at me and said, ow, what are you doing? That hurt. 
How fair would it be if I said, now take the chair and turn the back you just struck around towards the jury? How fair would it be if I said, what are you talking about? It couldn't have hurt you. It didn't even leave a mark on the chair. Pause. Look at the jury. Watch the fun of their lights coming on in their eyes and say, you know why it's not fair? It's not fair because it's not about the mark on the chair. It's about the unexpected jarring and forces from behind that cause the head to snap back at the hinge joint where people's vertebrae are that happen to herniate. I can promise you when you're done with that, that issue's dead. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, if your client had all other kind of problems, like they didn't tell the truth about the five accidents they had before and that kind of stuff, and they're a nine-time felon, I mean, this isn't going to overcome all that stuff. But if your primary problem in your case is there's not a lot of visible property damage, I can almost promise you, you're not going to lose on that if you take these steps. Now, before I finish this segment, I do want to point a couple things that were essential in that. The little story of the kids in a playground is important. You don't just go to the analogy. Why? Here's why. Because as soon as you say, you've told the story about kids running up and shoving little kids, everybody's smiling and remembering and reminiscing and thinking about their kids, and it's a happy little moment. And then when you say to the jury, but grown-ups don't sneak up on one another and shove them in the back unexpectedly, and you pause before you say, because someone's going to get hurt. Here's what will happen in that pause. Everybody on that jury that's 40 or older is going to grimace. Maybe not externally, but they will inside. At the thought of someone sneaking up and shoving them in the back. Heck, me telling the story, I'm thinking I'd wring their neck. That gum hit me in the back like that hurt me. As soon as they cringe, you got them. As soon as those jurors personally cringe, they understand the reality of the unfairness of that defense, and they're ready. Now you do the strike into the back of the chair. Now they go, that's not fair, just because there's not a big, torn up, crushed up trunk, and it's over. Now, before I leave, I want to add one more thing, because heard me talk about the importance of the why. How do you come up with these ideas like that, Mitnick? Boy, I like that. Where did that come from? It didn't come from brilliance. It came from concentration on a problem dealing with a model that I can't say enough about. Why am I right and why are they wrong? If I'm right and my client got hurt, but there isn't a lot of visible property damage, why am I right and why are they wrong? And when I worked that problem, a couple things came on. First, I thought it's not low impact. It's a wrong word. It's a trick word. It's not a lot of visible property damage. Then I thought, what's the difference? Why? Because it's the unexpected jarring that causes the injury, not the crushing of the car. It's the, the car gets shoved forward a little and your head snaps back. Doesn't have to leave any mark to hurt you. And I started thinking about well, what are some examples and analogies in life? And I thought about kids shoving. And when I thought about kids shoving, then I thought, gosh, if you explain that to grown-ups and say grown-ups don't do it, everyone's going to get it that's a grown-up. And then lastly, I thought, now how can I come up with an analogy that everyone would get it? And I, I, I run through things in my head for analogies around the house, you know, around with a car, around, you know, work, around anything. I was actually in a courtroom when I thought it. And I saw the court reporter sitting in the chair over there, and it was a wheelie chair. And I thought, you know, if I went up and shoved her in that chair in the back and her head smacked over and I knocked her machine over, I don't think she'd think that was real funny as some harmless event. That's where it came from. Ask yourself the whys. But for now, that will end the defenses raining on your parade over those pictures for all time. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com.